Ken Barron with the National Association of Black and White Men. It's been a while since I've done live podcast, but I'm working on a book. I'm writing a book about uh, homophobia and uh, racism, and it's about to be uh, proofed. And uh, in the show notes below, you ought to be able to see some reference to the galley proof, as I call it. So with that commercial, I ask you to subscribe, to like, and to comment on this uh, podcast. We would like to get back with you on that. Today, we're going to talk about gun violence. America's regular mainstream leads to the hand-wringing of our politics are so polarized that there's no way forward. AR-15-style rifles may be here to stay, so the most important thing we can do is modernize background checks, which have some bipartisan consensus. There is substantial progress, but we need more. The FBI's background check system stitches together three databases of state and federal criminal history records and other so-called hot files. Set up in 1993, when gun checks were largely the province of the states. This checks uh, records to either approve um, uh, consumer purchases from federally licensed uh, firearm dealers or deny them in 10 categories of prohibited people. These are felons, fugitives, convicted drug users, people in the country illegally, people who renounce US citizenship, anyone um, dishonorably discharged in the military, people under a restraining order with regard to an intimate partner or convicted of a misdemeanor, violent crime, and anyone who has been adjudicated as mentally deficient or committed to a psychiatric institution. The system, system still has enormous data gaps, loopholes, and disputes over how these prohibited categories should be defined. Missing even one critical record can lead to tragedies. Mental health records provide an especially vexing example. State piracy laws frequently prohibit sharing of records. Healthcare providers are hesitant to do this, and most states like a contact person to collect the information to send it to the FBI. In April 2007, Shung Ho Cho killed 32 people at Virginia Tech University with guns he had bought despite a documented history of court-ordered mental health treatment, records of which never made their way into this system. Early reporting indicates that, for example, Mauricio Garcia, the gunman who this month killed eight people outside Dallas, was in 2008 expelled from the army after three months, perhaps, because of mental health issues. This led to a dishonorable discharge and triggered a bar on attaining a gun. A 2013 study by the National Consortium for Adjusted Information and Statistics concluded that as much as a quarter of felony convictions were not available in this database, NICS. Orders deriving from domestic relationships cases may reside only in a local courthouse and are challenging to untangle. Many drug arrests don't make their way into the system either. In 2021, the families of nine people massacred at the Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, 
South Carolina, reached an 88 million settlement with Justice Department of their suit alleging that gaps in the NICS data enabled the racist killer to obtain a gun despite his earlier drug arrests. But there's been important progress. Congress passed the President George W. Bush and he signed in the NICH Improvement Act, intended to provide in the states grants to make their mental health and other records uh, to the NICS. 32 grants to state level agencies, totaling 42 million were awarded through the 2020 fiscal year. In January 2016, the Department of Health and Human Services finalized rules to clarify that the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996, or HIPAA, was not an obstacle to the reporting of mental health records. Today, 36 states have laws requiring the reporting of mental health records to the FBI. The number of these records in the system has soared to 6.88 million early this year from 531,000 at the end of 2008. The number of purchases that were blocked because of mental health issues advanced in lockstep. Last year, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act provides new challenges and opportunities. The law expands the gun purchase prohibition for people convicted of domestic violence or subject to a restraining order to include dating partners, not just people married to or living with the victim. Reformers applauded the, this closing of the boyfriend loop, as it's called, but the worry is that many criminal history records don't clarify whether such a relationship existed. A more basic problem involves simply identifying the prospective gun buyer and in 2023, are we really going to continue to allow purchasers to show only a driver license and easily and regularly forged document? Common sense argues that buyers should be required to provide fingerprints, which would be read at a gun show, for example. There are issues that cry out for more, more general attention, more media coverage, more bully focus, uh, focus from police chiefs, and FBI honchos and the president and this Congress, more appropriated money and more public shaming of lazy or recalcitrant state and local governments and healthcare providers who know someone is dangerous. Other proposed changes could be more important. Closing the loophole exempts gun shows and provides tr uh, private transactions from NICS data and closing the so-called Charleston loophole, which forces the system to approve gun sales after three days, even if the investigation needs more time to unearth the relevant records, as happened in the massacre there. Fair enough, but these issues at this time are politically gridlocked. Closing background loopholes is a task within our grasp. Isn't that more important than marching helplessly as the death toll continues to grow? Source for this was Gordon Whitkin of New York Times. And I'd like you to please uh, get in touch with us. 
NABWMT at NABWMT.org. Uh, like or comment. And we'd be more than happy to get there. Thank you for listening. Again, Ed Barron with the National Association of Black and White Men.